Thanks for listening to The Leader, the Evening Standard's daily podcast, now bringing you all the latest news, commentary and advice on coronavirus. We're available every day at 4pm. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss out and tell your friends about us too. Now, from The Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Prince Charles has coronavirus. The concern, I think, will be that the fact that he met Her Majesty after an investiture at the palace, it's possible that the virus has been passed to her. Our royal editor Robert Jobson and what the royal family, including the Queen, are doing to protect themselves. Also, he flirted for a moment with the idea of himself as a wartime leader leading the country through this terrible time. But he seems to have been convinced over the weekend that he would be better off if he can somehow get the economy back on its feet sooner rather than later. From New York, columnist Philip Delvis Broughton, is Donald Trump preparing to end the US lockdown? And A, to brighten up the streets and uh, I guess B, to express some kind of... Um, solidarity at a weird time when we're all very much isolated. Arts correspondent Robert Dex says Peter Blake, the man who created the Sgt Pepper album cover, designs the Evening Standard's hopeful back page. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, the Prince of Wales has tested positive for coronavirus. This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reid, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. At 71 years old, Prince Charles would be classed as among those most at risk from COVID-19, and now it's been confirmed he has it. Following his positive test, though, Clarence House insists he's in good health and working from home. Our royal correspondent Robert Jobson joins me. Robert, what do we know about how the prince contracted the disease? We don't know how he contracted it. We do know that the Prince of Wales flew to Birkhall, his uh, house in Scotland near Balmoral, um, on an RAF flight on Sunday. Um, He was suffering with some symptoms, but uh, he was then tested on Monday and he was tested positive. He's there with a small team, but he's obviously self-isolating now and dealing with things himself. He's also there with Camilla, who is individually self-isolating in a different part of the building. Luckily, it's a you know substantial property, it used to be the Queen Mother's, so he's not in any hardship. He, I'm told he's in good spirits, that he's continued to sit up and work, and he's just suffering from the, the actual virus. Um, and as he's over 70, he's 71, you know, he is in the at-risk category that the uh, government have stipulated. Yeah, as you said, that he is 71. He's a very fit 71. There are no concerns, you know, major concerns about his health at the moment, though. 
Not, not as far as we know. Obviously, it's a, a, a terrible virus, a terrible disease. It has claimed the lives of many people. But he's an extremely fit man. I mean, you know, he he could certainly um, pass in terms of his uh, physicality for a man of his fifties. He's he works out every day. He's uh, slim and he's um, and he he eats properly. So I think he's he'll be fine. And people around him are saying that. The concern I think will be that the fact that he met. Her Majesty, after an investiture at the palace on the 12th. Um, the Majesty's at Windsor Castle at the moment. We haven't heard from her or seen her. Um, we had the statement that was issued on her behalf. Now, the, the palace is saying that she's in good health and um, there's nothing to, there's no concern there. But, um, you know, the very fact that she and Charles were in contact just that little while ago, does lead people to think, well, it's possible um, that there is a, that she's been, the, the virus has been passed to her. Also, whilst at Windsor, during Easter Court, as it's called, um, Her Majesty has been joined by the Duke of Edinburgh, of course, who is um, not far off 100 now. So, you know, there's more concern probably for them than there is for the, the Prince of Wales and um, the Duchess of Cornwall. The Queen herself was taken out of London quite early on into this coronavirus crisis, wasn't she? The, the, they must be taking this very seriously in attempting to keep her away from it. Well, London it seems to be the epicentre of the virus in the UK with so many cases. It would make sense to get a woman of her age out of London. Uh, it's understood there was a member of her staff that conduct, contracted full-on uh, coronavirus, so um, that is the situation there. So the view, the view on it all is, is that it would have been the wisest thing to do, uh, is to, to get to go out. Initially, she was at Windsor for the weekend, and people said that she was going to self-isolate. But then she came back and had a number of engagements, investitures, and um, meeting with ambassadors. And then it was on the Thursday that she departed for Windsor, where she'll remain, I should think. Next, there are areas of America, of course, which are less densely populated in the Midwest and the South. But his his optimism, I think, has you know been greeted by the medical establishment with some astonishment. Philip Delvers Broughton explains the Trump administration's changing coronavirus strategy. Will the coronavirus crisis really be all over in the U.S. by Easter? Donald Trump appears to think so. Ultimately, the goal is to ease the guidelines and open things up to very large sections of our country as we near the end of our historic battle with the invisible enemy. I said earlier today that I hope we can do this by Easter. I think that would be a great thing for our country, and we're all working very hard to make that a reality. Well, the Evening Standard columnist Philip Delvis Broughton joins me from New York now. And Philip, other countries are talking about lockdowns potentially lasting months. Donald Trump sounds a bit more optimistic. Does he have reason to be so optimistic? Not really. No, uh, this seems to come from a strong narrative, uh, larger being put around on, on right-wing media on Fox News, that the cure is going to be worse than the disease here. The idea is that... If you let the economy suffer like this, people are going to be at home killing themselves because their businesses have gone down in flames as a result of the virus. And it would be better just to find a way to get the economy on its feet, respect social distancing, hand washing, and just carry on. This idea of locking people down is going to actually lead to more deaths than uh, if you just essentially let the economy carry on within some constraints. 
Uh, the medical opinion is overwhelmingly against that. It says we do need these lockdown periods. You're seeing the epidemic um, really spike in New York City, obvious, for obvious reasons. It's um, it's a highly dense population, a lot of people living in close proximity to each other, very international. A lot of people have been coming in and out of the place. And um, there are areas of America, of course, which are less densely populated in the Midwest and the South, where the epidemic is yet to hit. And of course, it's no accident those are the areas where Trump has his greatest support. But his his optimism, I think, has you know been greeted by the medical establishment with some astonishment. You write in your column today, Philip, that troublingly, there appears to be something different about the virus in New York. What is that? Well, this again comes from the White House. This comes from the medical experts there. There's something called the attack rate, which is the number of people per capita who are getting this thing and the severity with which they're getting it. And again, this could be because people live in such close proximity. It could be because of the number of tests. The data is still so fuzzy. But what is concerning them is that more people seem to be getting it than in uh, in other parts of the world in terms of just per capita numbers. And it seems to be affecting people uh, of different ages, you know, people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, with great severity when we used to think it was just older people with underlying conditions. But there does seem to be something slightly different about what's what's happening in New York. And you are seeing a huge number of emergency hospital beds being set up and really growing concern that the peak is coming uh, much quicker than uh, anyone anticipated. With all of this going on, I know that there have been some suggestions that perhaps the president is concerned about his poll ratings and, and whether he can win again in November. Is that something that's concerning the White House? It would seem like the utmost cynicism, if that was the case, to be treating a public health epidemic and, and seeing only political advantage. But it is also hard to see why, given what we've seen in France, in Germany and even in the UK, why a politician would think, well, I need to put my chance of re-election above the public health issues. But if you look back a few weeks, Trump's entire basis for re-election was the strength of the economy, the strength of the stock market, low unemployment. And that has all basically gone up in flames in the space of two or three weeks. The stock market has crashed. Uh, millions of people are filing for unemployment. And a lot of businesses are looking at a long, cold winter. Uh, Trump does not get re-elected under these conditions. He flirted for a moment with the idea of himself as a wartime leader leading the country through this uh, through this terrible time. But he seems to have been convinced over the weekend that he would be better off if he can somehow get the economy back on its feet sooner rather than later. Uh, $2 trillion stimulus should help that. But lowering restrictions on lockdowns uh, seems to be, in his mind, the way that you can get the economy back uh, quicker than ever. And you can read more from Philip in the Evening Standard newspaper or online at standard.co.uk. Nah. The Evening Standard has given its back page to pop artist Sir Peter Blake, the man who created the Beatles' Sgt Pepper album cover. It's bright and optimistic, inspired by the drawings of rainbows some schoolchildren had been doing as coronavirus shut down their classrooms. Our editorial column is asking readers to put the work in their window and show that London still has hope. At a time when we can't stand next to each other, we're asking people to stand together with London instead. 
That's why we are proud to print a symbol of hope for our city. A lot of the news is frightening. There's an even tougher battle ahead. This crisis is testing our city in a way it has not been tested in decades. But we know that London is up to the challenge. Street by street, family by family, we are rising to this challenge together. Neighbours are checking to see if elderly residents nearby need food. Most of us are following rules on social distancing. We are overcoming this together. We are lucky to live in a city with the strength and pride to do it. We can show this by putting the poster in our windows today and standing together with London. Our arts correspondent Robert Dex joins me by phone. And Robert, for those that might not know, who is Sir Peter Blake? Um, he's generally either described as the father of British pop art or the man who designed the cover for Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the, the, the Beatles album. He was one of those young artists that sort of sprung up in the early 60s, people like David Hockney, um, who seemed to sort of shake up a rather staid, middle-class British art world and bring a, a whole new approach to things. Um, you know, he's got a very distinctive pop art approach, was part of that. Um, we generally think pop art is very American, but his, his subjects and his style did have an Englishness to them as well, um, which which all helped with his popularity and, and his rise to fame, which got then got a huge boost when he um, designed the famous cover for Sgt Pepper's, which is the cutout of the sort of the, the Beatles' dream audience for a gig, all their childhood heroes from the world's most famous people. Um, and it is worth saying, I mean, that album has sold about 32 million copies, um, has been seen by who knows how many more people. Those kind of numbers, even though I'm, I'm sure he doesn't think it's his greatest work, are the sort of numbers that any other artist would probably kill for. He says his work's been inspired by the school children who drew pictures of rainbows that have been popping up all over London. Rob, what do we know about the story behind that? Nobody's quite sure where it started. I think it was when the, the schools closed and everyone faced the prospect of their kids being at home for several weeks. And one of those ideas that spread through Facebook and WhatsApp groups saying that getting the kids to draw rainbows and put them in their windows, A, to brighten up the streets and, uh, I guess, B, to express some kind of solidarity at a weird time when we're all very much isolated. And Peter's taken that idea, as he says, inspired by the children and sort of run with it, designed his own rainbow with the slogan, London stands together. And it's on the back of today's Evening Standard and it's, I guess, one of those strange, unforeseen circumstances, that things that come up of all, all this, that um, several hundred thousand Londoners will have their own Peter Blake painting now or keep it and save it in the hope that um, it becomes worth a lot of money in one, one day, but I, I think that could be wishful thinking. Um, so there's some good coming out of this strange time. What are Sir Peter's hopes for this piece, which is called London Stands Together? To tell people that you know these are these are strange times, we're all getting used to living and working um differently and a, a lot of people are having an extremely stressful upsetting painful time of it you know if you're trapped in your house self-isolating you're pretty well off really let's face it it's also worth saying actually that the stand didn't pay peter for this design but he did request that we make a donation in his name and um we've done that to um the gray eye theater company who are definitely worth a mention who work with disabled and, and deaf actors based in east london do lots of fantastic work so um that's that's more good that's come out of um, this gesture and can something like this make a difference to the mood in london i think peter wanted to express that sort of sense of solidarity that everyone's in the same boat if we stick together and basically do what we're told we can hopefully come out the other side he had did a lovely handwritten response to some questions I asked him, saying that actually 
he's drawing and painting more because a lot of the work and appearances he would be doing have obviously been cancelled. He's he's stuck indoors like everyone else. And actually all you need is a, a pen and paper and the two great things about art, uh, especially for people with small children at home, is um, it takes your mind off what else is going on in the world and you're concentrating just on what you're doing. And it can also be very time-consuming. So the, the school day at home can loom quite large and seem very long when you first start in the morning but um, if you can get them drawing for half an hour um, it will be a great help for everyone and that's the leader subscribe through your podcast provider and give us a rating too we're back tomorrow at 4pm Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.